Fresh Air Production. Hi, and welcome to Fresh Ears. I'm Neil Cowling, the founder of Fresh Air Production. And at Fresh Air, we spend all day, every day, talking about podcasts and making podcasts. So we often forget they've only been a proper thing for about 10 years. So for most people considering making a branded podcast, this is a whole new world. And the point of this series is to look back at the projects we've created, sitting down with the client and the producer, and then see what we can learn. Hopefully, if you're keen to learn a bit more about this whole podcast malarkey, that'll be a useful exercise for you. And it's pretty useful for us, to be honest. Today's episode looks at a podcast for one of the UK's biggest and best-known banks, Barclays. Mortgage Insider is a show, an award-winning show, now into production on its third series, aimed very specifically at a niche audience, mortgage brokers. Hosted by two internal Barclays staff, it aims to keep this valuable listenership feeling well-informed and well-loved. And this is how it sounds. For us, it was managing the emotions of the buyers and the the sellers who really were quite desperate, actually, a lot of them, to get this going – I think when you think of the psychology of them, they were at home. This was the biggest thing they had going on. And we knew about it. They'd be ringing us all the time. Um, And we want to manage their expectations. And and it was very desperate for them. So how do you use podcasts to build a close relationship with a specific B2B group? Joining me to talk this through are Helen Carter, Head of Channel Engagement at Barclays, and Juliana Needham, our Senior Producer here at Fresh Air. Hi, folks. Hello. Hi. Helen, let's start out by just laying out exactly where you sit in the full Barclays machine. What do you create content all about? So I am quite unique at Barclays in the sense that I'm a marketer, but I don't work in the marketing department. I do marketing and events for mortgage intermediaries, which is another term for mortgage brokers. So I engage with mortgage brokers who will engage with customers on our behalf for Barclays Mortgages. And so why make a podcast? What was the motivation? What was the spark that made you think that making a podcast was a good idea? So we initially wanted to make a podcast way before the coronavirus pandemic. The reason why is because a lot of our mortgage brokers are dotted across Great Britain and our BDMs, so we have business development managers, which we also call BDMs, see them on a face-to-face basis and we wanted to tap into this time and to engage with them further with Barclays Intermediaries. But then the pandemic happened and the whole industry flipped on its head and what I mean by that is we are a face-to-face business model and obviously during the pandemic we couldn't meet face-to-face so how could we engage with our mortgage brokers without physically being next to them and the podcast was a brilliant engagement tool for that. And presumably you're in sort of constant competition with your competitors to get your messaging through to these brokers because they they must be being courted by every mortgage provider in the market at the same time is that right? How it all works is obviously the mortgage broker chooses a mortgage for their client based on their client's needs at that one time. But obviously for them working in the business, they have a huge amount of knowledge 
and they know exactly what our competitors are doing at all times and what we're doing at all times. So how can we cut through all that noise and to make sure that when they do have a client that is suitable for a Barclays mortgage that they choose Barclays for that and that is just making them aware of things that they might not be aware of so we can have a great ongoing relationship with them to serve their client best. And was there any sort of equivalent podcast out there when you started? Was there a, anything already out there or do you think you were the, the first in this market to create a podcast for this audience? So there was lots of podcasts out there already. Some were created by mortgage brokers themselves. Some were created by financial advisors. Some of our competitors had even done a podcast themselves. But we wanted to create a podcast for our brokers that would educate, inform and engage with our audience. So the difference that we had to our, um, let's say our competitive podcast was that we actually put two BDMs, our business development managers, as our podcast presenters, because in normal life, they have face-to-face and they would be meeting with their, their local BDM. We've just transformed that and made sure that their podcast is with their, their BDM, Claire and Tony, instead. So Juliana, let's bring you in as the producer. You've got a background in financial journalism, so you know this area really well. And Helen just mentioned Tony and Claire. Can you take us through from the producer's point of view, once this brief came in, how you set about creating a podcast that you thought was the right tone for this audience? So we started working with Barclays. I started working with Barclays in March 2020. And the first thing we did was presenter auditions, which were taking place kind of about, I think, the 9th and 10th of March when the pandemic was really taking hold in the UK Barclays had set up, I think, about nine or ten of the business development managers to come to London to do auditions. And they were held over two days. And the calibre was good. There were quite a lot of people that, that could have done a good job, but there were two standout presenters from those auditions. And they were Claire McPhail, who's a business development manager from the south and tony rimmer who traveled down from near liverpool and they were they just had the right kind of tone they were both quite chatty and we we auditioned both of them and i thought they really are the kind of standout ones i think it was tony was the second oh no no it was claire that was the second audition and and we thought that maybe they'd work quite well together so in the end we decided to use both of them and so yeah we decided on Claire and Tony and they seemed to get off I don't think they'd, they'd known each other before but they were doing they do a similar job and yeah they seemed to hit it off pretty well but the because the pandemic had kind of really taken hold and we were in lockdown like a week or two later I had to train them up remotely we spent a few months kind of thinking how are we going to get the podcast off the ground because the plan was we would probably do two blocks of recording in a studio in London and do two days where we'd record all the episodes over those days and we'd also do presenter training in the studio so it took a while to kind of work out how we were going to make it work doing it all remotely but we ended up getting equipment to them I did presenter training with them over Zoom and it gave Claire and Tony the chance to get to know each other well I think we did kind of several one-hour sessions over the course of several weeks while I was talking to Helen and her colleague Sam about how we were going to get the podcast kind of working And also the other thing we had to contend with was the housing market was going absolutely crazy because, first of all, it shut down and nobody could move. And that was the place, I think, for a couple of weeks or maybe a month. 
and then the stamp duty holiday was introduced and so it was suddenly became during the course of 2020 it became one of the hottest housing markets ever and so we were contending with that how to do the podcast remotely how to trade up new presenters and then what the content should be in a really really fast moving market and also the other things that were happening, the kind of macro factors that were happening at the time was furlough. The pandemic was ongoing. We kind of thought it would be over in a few months. And then it obviously went on through 2020 and now on through 2021. And so we were unsure how far in advance we could record, because if we were recording something about the housing market and then there was a change to furlough, which meant that people couldn't pay their mortgages. How was that going to affect the industry? And how was, were there going to be any changes to interest rates? Was there going to be an extension of the stamp duty holiday? There were so many things. So we ended up doing the first series, quite recording it very close to the episodes being released, which meant quite a quick turnaround, but it felt like the right way to do it because we just thought anything recorded too far in advance will be out of date really, really quickly. So that was the first series, and that was launched in September 2020. And so that that choice of presenter as BDMs is essentially sort of, you know, mid-level management. I think is a is a really interesting choice because a it sets the tone. It would be very easy to either have a celebrity presenter or a you know a journalist who you were paying a. a fair whack to to come present these episodes or have someone very senior from within Barclays being the presenter but the fact that you made the choice of Tony and Claire a gave you a tone that was relatable because they were people who were dealing with mortgage brokers on a day-to-day basis and therefore kind of had their ear to the ground in that sense but also it must have given you the flexibility to be able to do that quick turnaround and get them recording from home and react to what was going on without having to, you know, manage diaries all the way through and and, and, and gave you the ability to be a lot more agile. Yeah, absolutely. And the the thing that Claire and Tony really bring to the conversation is their knowledge of the market, but also they're both very down to earth. They've got that kind of day-to-day contact with brokers so they know what's going on and they can bring that to the conversation saying, well, the brokers that I speak to say this and yeah, they might have had a bit more flexibility in their calendar. The kind of downside of recording during the pandemic is that everyone's restricted by who is in their house at that particular time. And when schools shut, that was really, really tricky. But yeah, they felt they definitely felt like the right level of seniority to bring expertise without being too distant from the audience they were talking to. They both bring a lot of warmth it's like having a conversation with a friend and I really I really have loved working with them because they're they're a good laugh and it's I think that kind of that hugely helps them as presenters as they bring that warmth to the table that you you wouldn't probably get from a a a journalist or celebrity presenter they're on the front line they know exactly how the broker is thinking feeling they know what has happened that previous week in the mortgage intermediary market because it's such a niche market having a celebrity for example on it they might not have that um, insight and knowledge and actually we've used Claire and Tony to shape the episodes that we've done purely because they know exactly what brokers want to get out of every single topic rather than maybe potentially going a bit more vague. They know exactly the message that the broker wants to receive from every topic. They presumably know exactly what they can and can't say as well in that sense. 
Exactly, yes. I think it's really interesting that we spend quite a lot of time when we're working with brands and, you know, a, a brand the size of Barclays um, must do so much research on what its tone of voice is and, and, and its brand perception, etc. But in this market, the tone of voice is encapsulated by those people who have face-to-face contact or regular contact with the customer isn't it so rather than you could you could go through a very sort of abstract process of saying what is our tone of voice how is it going to sound how are we going to stitch this together actually by choosing these people they embody your tone of voice so that's a shortcut to being able to know what the audience will already relate to when it comes to Barclays. yeah and and just to add to that i think it it was such a incredibly uncertain time for brokers they nobody knew what was around the corner a year ago I mean nobody particularly knows now but nobody knew what was around the corner financially and economically and they they didn't know if the housing market was going to grind to a halt interest rates would shoot up and they were suddenly have no business at all so I think having kind of a reassuring voice hopefully helped them through some of that uncertainty. And Giuliani, you mentioned training and coaching them. We have a lot of people who come to us and say that they would like to host it themselves or have internal hosts. And they're very grateful for some training because presenting a podcast is very different from presenting to a room, presenting on Zoom, doing a video. Can you just go into a bit more detail of what that training, that coaching involves, please? So the first thing that we needed to do is get their equipment set up and and sent out to them. So that was a a challenge in itself, just choosing the right rooms in their house. Uh, Claire found it a bit easier. She uses a bedroom. Tony ended up in the dining room after trying just about every room in the house, which is quite an echoey room. So just getting the equipment set up, getting them used to using the equipment and then getting them to talk naturally when they're doing the interviews. So once they get into a conversation, they they found it reasonably easy. But getting them to speak naturally, I think has pro- was probably the hardest part of the training. So we did lots of script reading. We did, I got them to read different speeches given by some former presidents, some celebrities, getting them to kind of get outside their comfort zone a bit. They both embraced the challenge. They both enjoyed doing it. But I think the hardest thing for any new presenter is being able to read a script naturally. And it's what newsreaders spend years getting good at. But getting them to kind of speak the words rather than read the words. And I'd always get them to kind of go through the scripts and turn it into language they'd use. But it didn't always happen that they were able to look at it in advance. And also to turn the questions into their own words. So getting kind of as much of them in that as possible. but also get them to think about how they're sitting how they're breathing not fidgeting and and it always presents us quite a lot of challenges and quite a lot of laughs because we'll be halfway through something and i'd say you need to lean forward we can't hear you on the microphone so yeah the the, yeah the training was fun but it was definitely more difficult than doing it in a in a studio face to face so you've got your presenters sorted out the next task is guests and topics helen how do you decide from one episode to the next what you're going to cover and who your guests will be do you lay out the series before you start or I guess as we were saying earlier it was quite reactive certainly for that first series yes the first season was incredibly reactive and it literally was we would record one episode and then we would 
probably brainstorm and think about the next episode. And our episodes are every fortnight, which allowed us a slight gap to have have that time to to think about what we wanted to do. Season two, we decided that we wanted to be a bit more organised and plan out the season a little bit more. But we probably planned out about three to five episodes at one time rather than the entire season. And even when we're trying to plan out season three, we know what the first kind of half of the season will look like, but not the entire season. And I think it's going back to what Juliana was saying, the market at the moment is so fluid, everything is changing all the time. So we have to make sure that we have some flexibility in what we want to talk about. But I make sure that we really go into the data and really understand what our audience is appreciating or not appreciating with our podcasts. So for example, with the first season, I was very keen to do educational podcasts to talk about different stuff like, so for example, economic updates, we make sure that we have one in every season. But I thought that would be the most popular update the most popular podcast that we would have but actually it's the human side of some of the podcasts the stories that some of our presenters say that actually are a lot more popular which means that when we plan out season two and season three even we want to make sure that we have more of that inside the podcast. And Julianne how much input do you have you're starting to have guests that sort of coming back I think in in series three who've who've been strong in previous episodes is that right? Yeah we've got hopefully Will Hobbs who's the Chief Investment Officer for Barclays Wealth joining us again. He has been one of our standout guests. He's really really good fun, very knowledgeable and he gets on really well with Claire and Tony. Uh, We'll also be looking to bring back another guest who was a really good contributor to the second series but didn't feature very, we just had to use a clip of her. And yeah we've tried out quite a few different types of guests. We have we generally have a balance between half Barclays guests and half external guests from the industry. And in, in radio terms, we'd call them friends of the show, wouldn't we? They're people who we know are reliable and also helps to build some familiarity with the audience, build some sense of community there as well. Yeah, absolutely. And Will definitely does that. He He's a really great, fun guest to have on. And we know he always delivers both in terms of entertainment and and sharing knowledge, which I think brokers are really keen to have kind of put into an easy to digest form. Helen, you mentioned referring to the data just now. And obviously, you've got a certain amount of data as to how people listen, how long they listen for. And you've also done a survey of the listenership recently to sort of see what they're interested in, too. What have you learned from all that? How does that data help you improve it? I think firstly, the data showed me that I can never make assumptions. So prior to launching this podcast, I was an average podcast listener myself, and I would often listen to podcasts on my mobile phone through apps, etc. And so therefore, I just actually thought, well, if I do that, lots of other people probably do that too. That's how people digest podcasts. And we've noticed that actually this audience, especially being it's so niche, and obviously, it's a work podcast, it's something where they can listen to and gain knowledge and insight about the job that they do we obviously did the usual advertising like through social media we did paid advertising on uh, digital channels but we also got in touch with the trade press which is uh, very significant in this industry and we were able to host the podcast on their trade press websites i 
initially did this at the start just wanting to just basically test and learn to see see what what landed and what didn't but the insights that I got from that was a lot of our audience was actually listening to it on their computers on their desktops versus listening to it on their mobile phones and so this could be pandemic related because obviously we've never done the podcast outside the confinements of, of lockdown, really, which is shocking to say. But instead of people listening to it on their, their morning jog or walking the dog or even in the car, they're listening to it whilst working on their computers, which was incredibly interesting for me to, to see. And it has shaped how we promote season two and it will be for season three on how we promote the podcast. I think that's unique within the podcasts that we make. And we make, you know, over 70 different podcasts for different brands. That's unique, I think, to see that there's a larger audience listening on desktop than anywhere else. And it tells you a lot about your audience. And it, it really is the fact that it's helped to inform how you promote it, how you assume people will be listening is really fascinating. Really, really will be interesting to see whether and how that changes once the pandemic's over. It could basically be that people are working, they see it, and because the confinements of the pandemic, they might be working from their home offices rather than in the office at work. And so therefore, just click play in the background and it plays out. And so therefore, it will be extremely interesting to see how that changes as, fingers crossed, life goes back to normal, whenever that will be. But it's something that we will be monitoring and it also demonstrates that it might not be how our audience always performs. It, we have to shape and decipher what our audience are doing and be where our audience is rather than where we think our audience might be. So what that also shows is that the podcast that we're creating here is genuinely useful for people. And that, and that sounds quite strange, but often what we're doing is building a, a, a brand building piece. We're creating content that kind of goes around what people are wanting to hear broadens your relationship with the brand but doesn't necessarily give you something solid to hold on to whereas what you're trying to create with the podcast is really create essential content that people listen to at their desks they don't listen to it because they're obliged to or because it's just a nice thing that they're they're being presented by the brand you're genuinely trying to create something that will make a difference to the way they do their jobs and what's interesting i know that you're looking at for series three is not just here's news about the market and here's something about the way that the mortgage industry is going but also trying to help them in how they build their own small businesses and and insights that they can gain because they're all running small and medium-sized enterprises is just just enlarge on that a bit juliana perhaps and, and how that is evolving yeah, I think we, we're we keen for the podcast to be as useful as possible to brokers and to be a voice that can help guide them through a really strange time. Obviously, it's been a strange couple of years for everybody, but how to give them content that's useful to develop their business when they've had to make really big changes. And we've we've covered quite a lot of this in the second series, particularly how brokers have had to adapt their businesses. A lot of them are small businesses that are regional and they've done business the same way they've operated in the same way for potentially decades if they're kind of brokers in their 50s and 60s they've run their business the same way and then suddenly the pandemic hit and they had to work remotely they had to do everything remotely and they had to change how they ran their businesses 
And so the second series, we looked a bit at how to deal with working at home, what digital tools you need to kind of develop your business whilst working from home, looking after your mental health when you're working at home. And that's been a completely new thing for a lot of people. And the third series, kind of taking that a step further, how to develop your business, hopefully post-pandemic, helping them upskill, helping them understand where their business fits into the kind of digital revolution, what skills they need, what tools they need, which platforms they should be using, those kind of things. And hearing from brokers who run successful businesses that have either pivoted a bit or kind of expanded in the past few years and and how they've done that. So Helen, is that a point of difference for this content? If you're being a helpful friend, if you're advising them on their, their own business rather than just giving them straight information? Yes, because fundamentally, we want to have a podcast that brokers will listen to. If we did every single episode that wasn't relevant or engaging to the broker, brokers would would switch off. And actually, the data is showing that with every episode, we're getting increased amount of listens and we get a very high retention rate. And so we want to be there for the broker and engage with the broker, especially as Juliana has been saying, we sometimes forget, but actually 2020 was a very difficult year. A lot of brokers, especially in the the main lockdown between March and I think it was June 2020, were thinking that their, their whole business was going to go under. And then within a few short months, it never felt so good for some of them. And it's kind of like, how can we be there? How can we expand on that? How can we help them? How can we engage with them in the sense of what do they want to listen to? How do we help them understand a bit more? So we've gone onto episodes with topical stuff like diversity or mental health and well-being. Which was one of the most popular podcasts in the series, wasn't it? The mental health and well-being is the most listened through episode of the lot. Yes, we got 100% retention rate on that one, which was was great. It's really great because it wasn't the only episode that had that, which was also extremely great but rather than just vaguely talking about a subject we always try and put the kind of so what factor on it and so what so we're talking about diversity or mental health but how does that affect the one-man brand broker how can we make everything that we do that is relevant to the broker rather than just telling them something and I don't think there is anywhere at the moment that is so niche for this audience that can take those big topics and make them so niche. And that's why it has been so successful. Talking of success, mentioned earlier, multi-award winning. (laughs) Uh, So congratulations on that. Thank you. How does, what difference does that make, if any, other than giving you something nice to put on the shelf? I think it gives us two things. One is uh, awareness. In our industry, awards are very significant. And there is a lot of awareness around not the award itself, but the award ceremony. People are there to see us collect the award, for example. And it also gives us credibility. So if people were unaware of us, the fact that we win these awards by these notable trade press organisations, it will hopefully allow people to find out about us, but then also be like, well, it must be a good episode to to listen to. So it's great to, to get that recognition to hopefully get more more listens basically and to make the podcast more of a success well as i say congratulations again it's a really successful series it's unique in our portfolio and i think it's it's unique in the industry so yeah great job and we all very much look forward to series three thank you very much to helen carter head of channel engagement at barclays and juliana needham a senior producer here at fresh air if you'd like to find out 
how Fresh Air can help you make a wonderful podcast that you might win awards for. For your brand or business, please do check us out at freshairproduction.co.uk. In the meantime, I'm Neil Cowling. Thank you very much for listening and goodbye. Fresh Air.